Welcome to The Landscape, a Cranes Cleveland podcast. I'm Dan Paletta. Glad you can be with us. Earlier this month, the Cuyahoga County Medical Examiner released a group of statistics, including that 83 homicides had been committed in Cleveland through July 23rd, although the examiner's office did caution that number could change. What doesn't change about that stat is the vast majority of those homicides were committed using a gun. Cranes reporter Dan Shingler has been taking a deep dive into this issue of guns, how many are out there, how many people are buying them, how they're being used. And we asked him to join us to share what he's found. Dan, thanks for being with us today. Sure. Glad to be here. The perception is there's a lot of guns on the streets. There's a lot of guns in homes. Is that true? Uh, yeah, 400 million guns in the, in the country as a whole. Um, and um, don't really know exactly how many are in Ohio. But I mean, at one point, people were um, re-signing up for their concealed carry permits um, at a rate of like, one out of uh, 17% of Ohioans in a year or something like that. It was really kind of uh, astounding. And now, of course, we don't really know how many people have concealed carry permits because you don't need a permit with uh, the new law that the state legislature enacted uh, this summer. Um, but yeah, there are there are a lot of uh, gun owners in the U.S. and in Ohio. The Buckeye uh, Firearms Association estimates that there are 4 million gun owners uh, in Ohio, which is, you know, you're getting more than a third of the state's population there, basically. And obviously, um, a lot of people aren't legal to, to own a gun. So that, that's a lot of guns. What's been going on with gun sales? It seems like they have periods where they go up and down. Uh, it's always interesting after an election, if the, the candidate who wins is a gun control candidate, people seem to go out and buy guns because they're afraid, they're afraid the laws might change. I think those in the gun industry love it when a when a Democrat becomes uh, comes into power, especially in the in the presidency, because they seem to see uh, gun sales uh, spike every every time that that happens. But then we saw um, kind of a, a weird spike uh, during during COVID, especially in in 2020 and and even into to 21. Um, where, where background checks uh, in Ohio and across the country just really just kind of kind of spiked. Um, we, we also saw an increase in in um, murders and gun violence generally during during that that same time. I think that was the year that Akron had its uh, record of, of fifty homicides in a in a year. Um, but now. I'm, I'm not. I'm not trying to indicate causation, but something happened during the pandemic that people seem to get edgy and they seem to want guns more, and they seemed more quick to 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 use them. There, you can argue all day as to whether more guns led to to, to more gun violence or more gun violence led to more people wanting more guns. I don't <laughs> know, but it, it definitely was a a, a correlation, if, if not causation, there that was that was kind of interesting. You have to wonder if people were panicking in some respects. They thought, you know, things are going to get crazy. You know, there's going to be rioting in the streets and I need to protect myself. Well, yeah, I, th- I think, I think you know, there was probably some of that and, and just kind of general insecurity and, um, and, and higher stress levels too, you know. And, and that's, that's actually one thing that, that more and more people have um, realized, or if they're in uh, the the medical or psychiatric professions, documented, and and that is that when 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 there's an increase in in stress, you you see an increase in in violence and 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 gun violence, 
and and that's also many people would 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 tell you and and i think there's a growing number of people who who um uh subscribe to this that that that's why we see so much more gun violence in impoverished areas of the inner city uh, or even in impoverished rural areas because there's just a lot more stress um, living in that environment under those circumstances with, you know, maybe fewer resources, fewer financial resources and, and, and public resources, too, that, than other people have trying to deal with single parent households, not being able to, to make rent, choosing between rent and gas or subscriptions and food, things like that. All of these things add to people's stress, um, as ironically does gun violence, which is why many people fear it because they they will tell you that that violence generally and particularly gun violence uh, be, behaves much like a, a a contagious disease you know somebody somebody shoots someone else someone else wants revenge and you know the next thing you know you you, you see the violence just just spreading like a a, a, a pandemic in fact i had a a couple of uh, surgeons that i talked to um refer to it uh, as a as a pandemic and uh, Akram Boutros the head of uh, Metro Health refers to it as a, a syndemic He's, he says he says there's a, a there's twin pandemics uh, you've, you've got a pandemic in terms of the proliferation of, of firearms and then you've got a pandemic in terms of the increase of uh, of, of violence and just about everybody I talked with said that people people are turning to violence quicker than ever before and to lethal forms of violence faster than, than ever before. And it's, it's all kind of creating a, a deadly concoction. Did the sales that spiked during the pandemic, did that continue? Are people still buying guns at a rapid rate? Um, rapid rate, yes, but not, I mean, I think, I think probably a lot, a lot of people, certainly people on the, the pro-gun control side would say they were already buying them at a rapid rate before the pandemic, but we're, we're down to kind of more, more normal or typical for Ohio levels before the pandemic, which was, was already pretty high. We're, we're, we're a pretty big state when it comes to, to gun buying. I recall a week toward the end of July where there were some 20 people shot in the city of Cleveland and seven, seven of them died. And I thought on one hand, I thought, is that an outlier? Just, you know, that's just a lot. And then I think to myself, every time I watch the news or I read the newspaper, it seems like I'm reading about someone getting shot with a gun. Is, is this getting worse and worse? Well, it, it was probably a little worse in 2021. Really recently, we've, we've, we've had uh, somewhat of an uptick and homicide detectives, at least all the ones that I've talked to or the police that I've talked with generally will, will tell you that, that summer, unfortunately, is their busy time of the year. We, we see more um, street level gun violence. But, but yeah, we have seen uh, a, a lot of uh, a lot of shootings and a lot of killings in in Akron and, and Cleveland and and these are the type of you know this is the gun violence that really creates the most carnage um, not not that it's not a horrible thing when there's a school shooting or a horrible thing when there's something like the the Fourth of July shooting in Chicago or what happened in in Las Vegas those those are all obviously horrific events but they they don't make up you know, even a small percentage, really hardly of, of the people that we lose to guns every year, because that happens in ones, twos, threes, and fours in, in at, at street level violence. Pretty much everybody would, would attest to that. 
I can recall reading an article with they were interviewing a gentleman who there was a drive-by shooting and he was in his house. He had nothing to do with it. You know, he said, I threw myself on the floor and I, the line I thought was rather poetic, but sad. He said, bullets don't have names on them. So I, this whole notion that I'm going to shoot at you and you're going to shoot at me seems like that seems to get care out of control. And people who are innocent bystanders are also getting hit more and more these days. Um, well, I mean, and kind of kind of going back to the the pandemic analogy or the contagious disease analogy i mean that that that's absolutely true and you know a lot a lot of these um revenge killings or attempted revenge killings you know they're 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 not exactly surgical operations it's you know drive by a house and spray as many bullets as you can and then you know it seems like invariably um, you know, some four-year-old girl or another small child get, get, gets killed along with other innocent bystanders. And, and now their family has been dragged into the, the gun violence cycle. And, you know, you've, you've got a lot, of, a lot of people like Cleveland Peacekeepers and Frontline Services trying to interrupt this violence. Um, and, and really often it's, it's some, someone told me it's, it's, it's often parking lot therapy. I mean, you need to, you need to meet with somebody right after it happens and, and start talking to them right away about, you know, look, before you do anything, you need to stop, think, what are the consequences to you, to your family, to your loved ones, to, to your community before you go out and do anything to, to try to stop this violence. And sometimes it works, but obviously sometimes it doesn't. Cranes Cleveland reporter Dan Shingler joins us today for The Landscape, a Cranes Cleveland podcast. I'm Dan Paletta. We're talking about guns and gun violence here in Northeast Ohio. Dan is doing an in-depth dive for the publication. And Dan, you mentioned, you know, this is a problem in the inner city and in rural areas. Is it affecting everyone, though, in Northeast Ohio in some way, shape or form? Oh, absolutely. I mean, for if, if, if for no other reason than, um, you know, if, if, if someone goes into an emergency room with a gunshot, the, the, the minimum I'm told is going to be a $50,000 medical bill. And um, it could easily be, you know, in the millions, if it's somebody that has a, a life-changing injury that requires, you know, rehabilitation or lifeline, lifetime therapy and, a, and assistance, it, it, can, it can go into the, the, the millions easily. Um, but there's, there's also, I mean, a, another way that, that this impacts all of us, and um, I, I don't want to be callous about this because it certainly doesn't eclipse or even equate to the, the personal loss that, that, that people feel when, when they experience gun violence. Um, but, you know, I, I'm also a business publication, right? But we're, we're you know, you got Cleveland and Akron and really the whole state trying to rebuild their populations. Um, Cleveland and Akron in particular, trying to rebuild their downtown and their, their urban populations. And gun violence is the last thing that you want when, when you have, when you're trying to do something like that. Um, I mean, it's, it's interrupted Cleveland's efforts, I think, you know, decades ago and, and, and could, could do it again now. And that, that's, that's kind of an economic development threat, um, um, doc, Dr. Boutros at, at Metro Health told me, you know, the number one obstacle that he has when he's trying to recruit medical professions, professionals to, to move here, he said, it, he said, you know, he said, everybody thinks it's the weather. He says, no, no one, no one asked me about the weather. No, no one tells me they don't want to move here because of the weather. He says, he says, gun violence is, is the number one hurdle I have to overcome when I'm trying to convince somebody to move to the Cleveland area and work in urban Cleveland. That's, that's the number one concern that they have. Um, and, 
you know, we, we don't need any extra headwinds when we're, we're trying to, to rebuild our, our economy and our, our population and, and really kind of our, our local society. And, and gun, gun violence is a headwind. And it's, it's, I think people look at it, probably rightfully so, as, as a symptom of, you know, a, a place that's got some challenges it needs to address. And we're going to have to probably address a lot of those challenges to reduce some of these stress levels to, to get this under control. It's a stigma that happens in particular neighborhoods. They become known as a place where there's a lot of guns, there's a lot of shootings, and people just don't go there. I, I know people who stopped going to downtown Cleveland because of the 1970s, and that sounds ridiculous at this point. Well, when I when I was referring to, to decades earlier, Cleveland Cleveland had a problem. I was referring to the 1970s. Yeah. Um, I forget, there was somebody that was killed outside an apartment building in the 1970s, and it kind of really uh, put a put a damper on on efforts then at, at economic development. But But yeah, I mean that that's that's probably the number one reason why why downtown Cleveland went through its trials and tribulations in the, you know, the 70s and the 80s and 90s is that people didn't want to go there. It wasn't it wasn't viewed as a desirable or safe place to go. And and we've seen that when you do make it, you know, perceived as desirable and safe, people are willing to come back. They've, they've certainly come back to downtown Cleveland and they've been starting to come back to downtown Akron too. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's doable, but security has to come first and foremost. I, 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 one of the people I talked with was Don Taylor. He's um, head of the wealthy building company, a big developer in Akron and Cleveland um, and the development behind the Bowery district in Akron, which is their big downtown residential development, or at least their biggest one. And, you know, he, he, he basically said, you know, if, if, if there's not security, people people will not re-sign leases. So this is this is definitely uh, an, an issue. And, and he's also one that told me that he's come to view this, you know, differently in recent years. He's had exposure to, to more and different types of other leaders, I think, through Leadership Akron and other programs. But he told me flat out, he said, you know, he said, I used to look at this like a lot of people. And, you know, I would just say, you know, these, these are, these are places filled with people that, that made bad choices in the, in their, in their life. And, and now those choices are coming home to roost. He said, I don't, I don't look at it that way anymore. He says, now, now I look at it through the, more through the lens of, you know, these are communities where the stress is the greatest and the reaction to that stress is, is manifest in, in gun violence. Um, so he's he's one of the people that I think are, are, are on board with. We, we need a more holistic approach to this. Um, and a holistic approach is probably going to mean, you know, more, more city services, infrastructure in, in, in urban areas, um, better, better education, fighting poverty. We didn't get here in a year or two, you know, this is, this has been a problem. Um, if even, even, even if the violence only spiked recently, the, the ingredients for it did, have been brewing for a long time, we're probably not going to fix it overnight, but hopefully we can at least start to change and reverse it soon. You mentioned mass shootings earlier in our conversation. How do they fit into this? I mean, I feel like I said, even with individual shootings, it seems like they're on the rise. I feel like I'm hearing more and more about this. Yeah. you. I mean, I think you're, you're, you're hearing more about mass shootings, but they're, they're still, I mean, I hate to say it, they, they often get more attention, some people would say, because they often occur in 
relatively white, um, relatively affluent, or if not affluent, at least not poor um, areas, and and they're they're obviously um, spectacular in a very bad way, and and that gets a lot of, of headlines. And you know, I mean, let's face it: when you when you've got kids that are being shot, I think I think that strikes a, a particular nerve in in just about any adult human. So. I'm not saying that they don't deserve to get a lot of attention, but as as somebody told me, I was uh, talking to a, a guy who's kind of an expert on mass shootings, and he made the comment. He said, he said, you know, he said, as as bad as the July Fourth shooting was um, in in Highland Park, he said that's that's really a slow weekend in Chicago, a really slow weekend. And 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 sure enough, I mean that that same weekend there were more people killed in Chicago gun violence. Um, in individual incidents than there were in that that Highland Park incident all by by itself. Um, so while they we we have seen more mass shootings um, than we did in years or previous decades, and some of them have been far more deadly. Uh, particularly the Las Vegas one probably stands out as the, the the prime example of that. Your kids are actually still pretty safe when they go to school. I, I read a study and a school is actually about the last place a kid is likely to be shot statistically. He's, he's far more likely to, to suffer gun violence in his own home, in someone else's home, on a street, in a parking lot, in a playground than, than he is in a, in a school. In fact, I saw one, one stat, and this stat is about 10 years old now. <clears throat> I would imagine it's changed, but I wouldn't imagine that it's, that it's changed, you know, gone away. Um, and, and that was that your average school um, has a shooting once every 6,000 years, just because there's so many schools, you know, I mean, right. in, in the country. Um, so while they're horrible, I, I think probably they, they represent a greater danger in perception than they do in reality. We'll move on to, to some other topics because I don't want to spend too much time on this, but sure. I've heard people discussion in the media about mass shootings. On the one hand, is it important? It's a breaking news. It's an important story. But then there's the thought that says, why should we give this horrible person who committed this shooting publicity? Like this is probably the thing that this person, he or she wants. And why should we reward them with that? Like, but I don't know how you would ignore it, right? I mean, that seems kind of silly. Well, yeah, I mean, you, 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 you can't, you can't ignore the, the, the victims, which means you can't ignore the story. Um, but obviously, a, a, a lot of us in the media, um, I know I did this one when, when I was writing <clears throat> these stories about it, and I know a lot of other people do it. I mean, n- no longer name the, the, the shooter. I mean, there's, there's no sense in, in giving them, you know, the notoriety that they perversely crave. Um, so that, 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 that's one thing. Um, but that's it, it, a tricky one. I mean, you, you can't not cover it when there's a school shooting, obviously, but you don't, you don't want to give somebody the attention that they're, they're trying to get out of it. When we talk about guns and which ones are being used, the old days, we always talked about a Saturday night special. Is that still the main gun that's being used in gun violence? Um, no, it's, 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 it's now more of a, a semi-automatic pistol. Um, but it's, it's very rarely the the assault rifles that that you know get you know assault assault rifles are to firearms kind of what school shootings are to gun violence. They're they're a really small part of the issue, but they're uh, 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 connotatively and appearance wise, they're they're 
very fear instilling and, and they get a lot of the attention. Um, one of the Cleveland cops I told, I talked with said, um, he said, yeah, he said, you know, they, he, he was, he was talking about, uh, gang members and, and, you know, kind of repeat criminals that he deals with on a regular basis. And he said, he said, yeah, he said, he said, some of them might have uh, an AR-15, but they, they really, they, they pull that out and they use it for videos. They, they don't, they don't carry it around and it's not usually what they use when they shoot someone. But, but then he made another good point and he said, you know, why would they? Because you can get a 30 round clip for your pistol that will fit in your pants or your belt and not have to haul a big rifle around and, you know, have maybe not the same high, high caliber, but just as many shots and you're able to kill as many people as, as you would with the AR-15. So they don't bother. So a question that probably doesn't have an answer. I mean, what what are we going to do about this? I mean, I think the, the cynic in me, there's a mass shooting, then gun control advocates come out and say we need to, you know, control guns and guns rights advocates say, no, it's an issue of mental health. And then there's a debate and then it seems to go away and we start the whole process again a month later. You know, a lot of the people that I talked with that deal with violence intervention and um, and helping kids who are traumatized by guns and things like that, um, if you ask them about restrictions or gun control or uh, they, they will tell you, I don't even want to talk about it. I mean, you know, they're, they're just like, they, they've, and not that they probably don't want it, but they're, you know, as one person told me, you know, there's 400 million guns. I, the, the cat, the, 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 the horse has left the barn. I'm not, I'm not, I, I don't have time to sit around and worry about getting rid of 400 million guns. Um, I'm focused on getting people to not use them to, to kill each other and to help the people who have, had a loved one killed or, or lost or been injured themselves to, to, to heal from it. Um, so I, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying gun control is not the answer. I'm not saying it, 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 it is, but, um, it, there are a lot of guns out there. It will be a Herculean task for us to, you know, People hold up Australia as an example, which, which Australia did have a, a, a very, you know, radical sea change in laws and outlawed assault weapons and had a big uh, buyback program. Um, but I, I think a lot of people are skeptical that that would work as well in the, in the U.S. as it, as it did in Australia. We, we certainly, though, need to probably pay more attention to the affected areas um, where we see gun violence, um, you know, just, just like any other disease. I mean, you can, you can see where it's spreading and, and where your intervention efforts are, are needed. And we're probably going to need to, to kind of focus some of those to, to help um, not, not just people, but communities that are affected by gun violence to become better, calmer, less stressful, and easier places to live. And I, I think a lot of people would, would say that would, that would be what, what really needs to be done, but easier said than done. Indeed. Dan Shingler, thanks for your great reporting on this issue. Glad you could join us today for The Landscape. Sure, Dan. Thanks for having me. Dan Shingler is a reporter for Cranes Cleveland. has been writing about guns, guns violence, and the amount of guns here in Northeast Ohio. We're glad he could join us for The Landscape. Glad you could be with us too. I'm Dan Paletta. We'll talk again soon. 